Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Friday, December 13th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins, with a summary of election news. Today, Twitter will verify candidates running for Congress and governorships. Next week's debate is going on exactly as planned. Get ready for an education town hall this weekend. The impeachment update. Bloomberg donates to House Democrats. Trump privately considers skipping the presidential debates in 2020. Castro and Delaney fail to file for the Virginia primary ballot. And Weld says he will not run as an independent. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. First up today, a story from the world of Twitter. And for a change, it won't make anybody's blood pressure spike. Starting yesterday, Twitter rolled out a program to verify the accounts of all U.S. candidates running for Congress or governorships. Verification is that thing where you get the blue check mark by your name, and the process typically involves some kind of vetting by Twitter. When I went through that process, and yes, that is officially a humble brag, Twitter essentially wanted to know that my account represented the actual person named Chris Higgins. They also wanted me to add some security settings to that account in an attempt to protect against hacking. Once that was all done, there you go, blue check mark. The point of Twitter's move, and verification in general, is to assure users that people are who they say they are. If you've spent much time on Twitter, you've probably run across fake accounts, or accounts that are parodies but don't quite look like they are. The most interesting part of this plan is not that Twitter is allowing candidates to be verified, it is that they are seeking them out. Twitter will attempt to identify candidates, contact them if they're not already verified, and then start the verification process. Prior to this, you had to start it yourself, or some organization would have to call up Twitter on your behalf. Twitter is working with Ballotpedia, which is truly an excellent resource for looking up information about politics, to find those candidates and get in touch. The other notable move is that there will be a special form of blue checkmark with an icon that represents candidates. Something similar apparently happened in 2018, though to be honest, I do not remember seeing that special kind of icon. Reading from an article by Nancy Scola in Politico, quote, The tweets of verified candidates will also be stamped with a tiny icon, meant to resemble a government building, so that people seeing their posts will be able to immediately identify them as coming from an official candidate. End quote. Here's a super quick item. As I said yesterday, we will have seven candidates on stage in next week's DNC debate. Representative Tulsi Gabbard did not get a fourth qualifying poll at the last minute, so the list I reported yesterday is the real deal. I'll have more specifics on how to watch and stream that debate next week, and I will be making bingo cards at some point in here as well. So just to close that loop, there are no surprises for Thursday. Next up, there will be a town hall event this weekend that you might want to check out. The event is this Saturday morning, and there is a link to the live stream already in the show notes right now. The event will have a bunch of notable candidates. That list currently includes Bennett, Biden, Booker, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Sanders, Steyer, and Warren. Reading from an article by Peter Green in Forbes, quote, This Saturday, a consortium of education groups is teaming up with MSNBC to host a forum for Democratic presidential candidates centered around education issues. The event kicks off at 9.45 and will run most of the day. It will all be live-streamed. 
The crowd of about 1,000 invitation-only attendees, I'll be one of them, includes a sampling of teachers and parents, as well as members of unions and civil rights groups. They are largely pro-public education. At least one pro-charter ed reform group, the Center for Education Reform, has put out an email call to mount a protest at the event. The format will allow each of the attending candidates to take the stage, make their pitch, and then take questions from the audience. End quote. So if education is one of your top issues, check out that live stream. With eight candidates, this really could be an all-day affair. And now, the impeachment news in, oh, let's say about four minutes. As I reported yesterday, the House Judiciary Committee debated and debated and debated some more in a marathon session stretching more than 14 hours on Thursday. After a series of amendments from Republicans, all of which failed on party-line votes, there was one actual markup of the articles that succeeded. It was introduced by Democrats. In the text, which previously read Donald J. Trump, the middle initial J was expanded to John. That one passed. As far as I can tell, that is the only specific outcome of the markup session. After 11 p.m. Eastern last night, rather than actually voting on the articles, Chairman Jerry Nadler closed the proceedings for the day. And, of course, they started up again this morning. Nadler got right down to business. He sat down, turned his phone to silent, and began the vote. I want you to hear how that happened, and I'm going to cut out the parts where the actual votes occur, those went precisely along party lines as expected, and the whole thing took about 10 minutes. But I want to give you a taste of how this works, in case you haven't heard any of these votes. The voices you'll hear in this clip are Nadler, the clerk of the committee, whose name I don't have on hand, Representative Louis Gohmert of Texas, and Ranking Member Jim Jordan. And, of course, the fun, time-passing sound when I've cut out those long votes. Listen in. The Judiciary Committee will come to order a quorum being present. Having agreed yesterday to the amendment in the nature of a substitute on articles of impeachment against President Donald J. Trump, the pending business is reporting the resolution favorably to the House. Reporting quorum being present. The question is now on the motion to report the resolution. H.R.S. 755 is amended favorably to the House. Pursuant to Clause 5... Of House Rule 16, because the resolution contains two distinct propositions, we will divide the question between the two articles. The question now is on Article 1 of the resolution, impeaching President Donald J. Trump for abusing his powers. The clerk will call the roll. Mr. Nadler? Aye. Mr. Nadler votes aye. every member voted who wishes to vote? Mr. Chairman, may I ask how I'm recorded? How is the gentleman recorded? Mr. Gomart, you are recorded as no. Yeah, I want to make sure. The clerk will report. Mr. Chairman, there are 23 ayes and 17 noes. The article is agreed to. The question now is on Article 2 of the resolution, impeaching President Donald J. Trump for obstructing Congress. The clerk will call the roll. Mr. Nadler? Aye. Mr. Nadler votes aye. The clerk will report. 
Mr. Chairman, there are 23 ayes and 17 noes. The article is agreed to. The resolution is amended as ordered reported favorably to the House. Members will have two days to submit views. The resolution will be reported as a single amendment in the nature of a substitute. Without objection, staff is authorized to make technical and conforming changes. Without objection, Mr. the committee Chairman, is adjourned. Mr. Chairman, pursuant what to purpose does the gentleman seek recognition? Pursuant to Clause 2L of Rule 11, I give notice of intent to file dissenting views. Notice is heard. Without objection, the committee is adjourned. That was the end of the committee hearing today. That is the sound of a gavel moving the articles of impeachment to the House floor. That is the sound of the conclusion of the committee portion of the impeachment of President Donald John Trump. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And here's yet another story on spending by Mike Bloomberg. But in this case, he's not spending on himself. Reading from a story by Sasha Pizenik for ABC News, quote, Former New York City mayor and billionaire Mike Bloomberg will donate $10 million to the House Majority PAC to help defend vulnerable House Democrats, a senior aide has confirmed to ABC News, a move that comes as the party now faces a slew of well-financed Republican attacks on their support of impeachment against President Donald Trump. The multi-million dollar donation also comes amid criticism from his fellow 2020 contenders for how he has leveraged his wealth, especially his large ad buys, as he makes his 11th hour jump into the presidential race, some accusing him of buying his way into the election, end quote. So again, let's remember that Bloomberg is not solely spending on himself. In fact, his first ad buy that I reported on this show was a massive set of anti-Trump TV ads that didn't even mention Bloomberg, aside from the required legal disclosures about who paid for the ad. And this also fits a pattern of past donations. Reading once more from ABC News, quote, Bloomberg also has a long history of deep-pocketed donations to help back candidates and causes. On the trail, he often points to the help he gave House Democrats in the 2018 midterms, where he spent upwards of $110 million, and 21 of the 24 candidates he supported won their races. 
For years, he has given to state parties of both stripes, and to candidates and causes supportive of progressive gun measures, and the fight against climate change, among other policy positions. The $10 million Bloomberg has pledged in support of House Democrats is a fraction scaled to the over $110 million he spent through his super PAC during the 2018 midterm cycle. End quote. So, point being, Bloomberg is spending on this race in multiple ways, and he has really only just begun to spend. There is every reason to assume his super PAC will continue its work on behalf of Democrats in down-ballot races. Regardless of how he does as a Democratic primary candidate for president, Bloomberg's money might help Democrats in other races. According to a report by Maggie Haberman and Annie Carney for The New York Times, President Trump is considering not attending any presidential debates for the 2020 general election. So why would that be? Well, reading from The Times, quote, Mr. Trump has told advisors that he does not trust the Commission on Presidential Debates, the nonprofit entity that sponsors the debates, the two people said. Less of a concern for Mr. Trump than who will emerge as the Democratic nominee is which media personality will be chosen as the debate moderator, according to people in contact with him. End quote. This fits a pattern of Trump's distrust of that commission, which also ran the debates in 2016. You may recall that in one of those debates, there was a problem with Trump's microphone. It was somehow turned down in the room so that his mic was quieter than Clinton's. The commission admitted that, yes, that happened and said it was a technical malfunction, but didn't specify what exactly was to blame. So based on this Times report, there does appear to be a possibility, and maybe even a big one, that Trump opts not to appear on a general election debate stage at all. And that gets at the larger assumptions we're making about what this next election will look like. I mean, I have assumed that there will be presidential debates, because in my lifetime, there have always been presidential debates. But there is no rule that says it must always be so. And we also don't really have a roadmap for what happens when multiple billionaires are active in the race. What happens when they really start spending? We just don't know. New York Times reporter Ested Herndon pointed out that Democrats might need to think about this as they get farther along in their own process. He wrote on Twitter, quote, One of the things I think about often covering the Democratic primary is how much these candidates are preparing themselves under the assumption of rules that will be totally upended come general election. End quote. Next up, a quick item on the Virginia Democratic primary ballot. Two major Democratic candidates did not file the necessary paperwork in order to appear on that ballot. They are former HUD Secretary Julian Castro and former Representative John Delaney. The deadline was 5 p.m. on Thursday, and those two did not make it. The process for filing in Virginia, like with many states, involves gathering at least 5,000 signatures and filling out some paperwork. It's unclear at the moment why Castro and Delaney didn't file, but it might have been a lack of signatures. According to an article in the Richmond Times-Dispatch, all the other major candidates did submit the necessary information. The candidate with the fewest signatures was former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, who submitted just under 6,000 of them. Assuming enough of those signatures are verified, everybody but Castro and Delaney should be on that primary ballot. Last up this week, let's hear from former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld. 
He is one of the major candidates running against President Trump in the Republican primary. And he has now said he will not run as an independent if he fails in that bid. Reading from an article by Rebecca Clark for The Hill, quote, No, I would not run as an independent, Weld said in an interview Thursday at The Hill's offices in Washington. Depending on who the Democratic nominee was, I could either support the Democrat or conceivably the Libertarian. Weld wouldn't say which candidate in the vast Democratic field he would consider backing, but added that he's known former Vice President Joe Biden for years. He also said Biden has the best chance of winning over independent and anti-Trump Republican voters. But that doesn't mean Biden is the only Democrat he would consider backing. The only thing I've said is an absolute. In no circumstances would I ever support Donald Trump for any office ever. I think he's kind of way out there, Weld said. End quote. Well, that is it for one more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter at Chris Higgins. Okay, another historic week is in the books. Looking ahead, there is that town hall tomorrow on MSNBC. We've got a DNC debate coming on Thursday, and much of the U.S. will take the following week off for the holidays. That includes me, though I will be tossing in a couple of pre-recorded special episodes to tide you over. One of those is all about the primary and caucus process, where it came from and how it works. The other is an interview with a former campaign staffer who explains that stuff from the perspective of a campaign. Those two things together should give you a good bit to chew on over that week. Back next week, and let's push through to the end of this long year together. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all on Monday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.